0: Do not go any further, turn around, go home. Hi everyone, happy Saturday to you again. This is part two of the question and answer, the Q&A that I did last week on YouTube to celebrate reaching 5,000 YouTube subscribers. It's now quite a bit higher than that and one million audio listens. It's also quite a lot higher than that now as well um but if you didn't catch last week's just go back and and start there i think or you can start at any point because this was just me on the youtube channel of this the youtube version of on the edge with andrew gold uh and on the side this was a live stream i did so i'm just talking to the camera the microphone and on the side there's uh all the subscribers asking loads and loads of questions and it went on for an hour and a half. That's why I've split it into two parts. Last, The first part was last Saturday, and this is the second part. Um, and I hope you enjoy this on your weekend as you go about frolicking in parks and doing whatever it is you guys do so beautifully. Let me know what you thought of this. Get in touch. Twitter, andrewgold__ok, okay, or comment on the YouTube page. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Question, Joe Lynn, were you born slash raised in Argentina, and when did you move to Europe? No, I was born and raised in the UK, in London, Uh, I moved to, uh, so after all the stuff I was explaining before, I moved to um, Colombia, Medellin, Pablo Escobar's former hunting ground, or where he was from, and I then moved to Argentina, where I was for seven years, and met my lovely girlfriend Julieta there, and then we moved to Berlin and then to London. Ruben Azenha, Rubem uh, Azenha, is there an academic slash scientific definition of what is a cult? I'm pro- there are probably people in here who are better uh, qualified to answer, but the book I just read called Cultish by Amanda Montell. she says she searched for years and could not find a consensus. That doesn't mean that there aren't scientists who define cults as certain things, but basically they all disagree. It's a word that... Uh, has moved and changed over the years a lot. It's really, really difficult. I think it meant religious, as in God stuff, at first, but then also has to apply to things like the Nixium cult, which we've covered on this podcast. Um, So, yeah, I don't think there is. And I think rather than look at a definition of a cult, I think we should look at a spectrum of what is, Quite cultish, and then we can talk about you know uh, a group that changes your language, a group that makes it hard for you to leave, uh, one that love bombs you when you first arrive, all sorts of different traits and cults. Nikki Sedman, where are you in where in the world are you based right now? Uh, oh, I can't tell you that. No, uh, in Bristol. I'm in Bristol. We moved here after Germany. Uh, we'd never been to Bristol, but I knew it looked nice. It had the courses that my girlfriend wanted to do, um, and it's just a beautiful beautiful part of the world and it's far enough away from my family uh it's just the right distance so we can go back and see them on the weekends or whatever but not all the time um lots of nice people saying things uh ymca has written who are your favorite people from the bbc do you like rod middle that must be rod Liddle. um i don't know him i don't know many of these people um i have an agent i have a TV agent who, unfortunately, you know, hasn't been able to get me that much work. I've not been able to get that much work for her over the years. A lot of it's to do with stuff I've spoken about before. Um, But who have I met? I met, again, outside the UK, you might not know, but Nick Ferrari, Ben Fogle. They're all part of the same. um, James, is it James May? Not the one from Queen, the one from Top Gear. Um, Ben May? James? No, it's James, isn't it? Yeah, so him. Everyone seems nice. Um, yeah, my friend Tessa Dunlop. Uh, she's fantastic. She's a historian. She's been on the podcast. Uh, and, yeah, I love Louis Theroux. I like all of them. They all seem all right. Uh, da, da. I'm just going down to look for the next question. Really, I need someone sort of feeding me these, don't I? Questions I should do. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm cautious of the people listening to the audio about any gaps. They've probably given up listening by now. Mm-hmm. People adding "Gentlemen in Moscow to their list. To Kill a Mockingbird. What a great book that is, Marianne. Mm-hmm. Just scrolling down. Cat's Cradle. Carlin likes that. Good. She's right to like Cat's Cradle. There's all the book stuff. <laughs> Ray J asks, what's your favorite? I know, YMCA is asking to rank my last Lloyd Evans interview of all the interviews I've done. I think it was not a good interview because I didn't push him enough about. This is Lloyd Evans, again, for audio listeners, who's uh, the ex Jehovah's Witness who was found to be, um, you know, canoodling with sex workers and stuff like that. I think it was not a good interview because it was, um, I think I was expected to be his PR a little bit. I didn't want the confrontation, and we went around in circles with me asking him to say sorry. So I think it's actually one of my worst interviews, but it has gotten me a bit of hoo ha on YouTube at least. Uh, What's your favourite interview that Sean got you into, asks Ray J. Um, Richard Dawkins, and thanks to that, I managed to get him on to my own podcast, my own channel, Uh, just being able to talk to him. He's a hero of mine. Uh, I got really lucky, and I wouldn't have been able to speak to him if it wasn't for Sean. Again, Luke Stevenson's asking about where I am in England. That's Bristol. At the moment, I'm from Watford, though. Um, People are having a go at me for needing water. I think they're joking, though. What the, which of the countries, Charisma asks, uh, that you've lived in has been the most challenging? Uh, Germany. Germany. Uh, well, Colombia. Medellin was just so different from anything I knew, and it was it was hard to make friends there. I went there alone. I didn't know my girlfriend yet, and I hung around. And a lot of the other foreigners were a little bit different to me. They were very into the narco stuff and very into the sort of plastic surgery side of Medellin, which is only one fairly negative side of Medellin or positive depending on depending on how you see it Um, but yeah that was hard Medellin Argentina was great it just felt like I was in my own little European place I made a lot of Argentine friends it felt like a culture that was familiar to me Um, Brazil I was in for a while and that was again a bit more like Colombia very different Germany well it was a different time in my life I was a bit older I was already 30 I was there with my girlfriends. I was not so into meeting people. COVID happened. And the German way of being, they're wonderful people, but it's very, very different to what I was used to. Uh, in terms, you can't just say like, hey, how's it going? They're like, well, how is it going? What is that? What are you talking about? What is this? I don't understand. So you, you ask me how I am. Um, you can't ask people in shops and stuff. How are you? You know, um, let's see what else. God, this is long. Hmm, Wonder Woman. Where would you rate yourself on the five personality traits? Extroversion, agreeableness, openness, conscientiousness, and neuroticism. Uh, It's a weird one, isn't it? Because I used to think I was an extrovert because, I mean, look at me right now. I'm doing a live premiere with loads of people tuning in live. Over 50 people now, right now, listening live. Um, That's got to be extroverted. And I came to realize in later life, in my 30s, that, you know, it's more about, I suppose, um, it's about where you draw your energy from. And a lot of people need to get out the house and be around uh, lots of people. And for me, it's the opposite. Once I'm out with people, it's lovely, it's great, and I need to get home uh, quite soon. So not extroverted, I think. Agreeableness, I think I'm a 10. (laughs) But maybe that's not what an agreeable person would would say is it I don't know openness I think I'm a 10 (laughs) because I just share I'm an oversharer I always have been and I I just I'm happy you know I'm not I have no shame in what I do I'm uh, and and also that's not because I'm so great that I don't feel shame or whatever it's more that I I guess part of me feels that by being open about my flaws and stuff it's like I'm owning them uh, and people will then say nice things to me and it'll make me feel better I think if you hide them and they come out it doesn't look good Conscientiousness, conscientiousness. What does conscientiousness mean? <sighs> Wishing to do one's work or duty well and thoroughly. I think I'm a seven or an eight. I want it to be good. I want everything. I, I get very frustrated on the podcast <clears throat> that although I can control the my environment, I'm doing it on Zoom, I can, I can control my microphone and my camera and invest in all the best possible stuff I can find and all that stuff. Uh, I can't control the environment of the person to whom I am speaking. And I find that really, really frustrating. And sometimes they turn up and their sound is awful. And that's what the video not being good isn't great for YouTube, but the sound being bad is like bad for everyone. And it does make a big difference in how engaged you might feel. Um, So that's really frustrating. I want it to be good. And even if it makes no difference to the amount of listens and views and stuff, I want it to be Good. I want it to be a piece of art, you know, as much as possible. Neuroticism. I was probably about an eight or nine. I suffered terribly with OCD when I was a teenager. Um, Not in like a oh pity me kind of way, but like it did. It sort of ruined my life for a few years. Uh, Always just like uh, touching things and turning lights on and off. I've got a lot. I mean, if you listen back to this, it's been fifty-three minutes and forty-nine seconds, and I haven't left a break. I'm just talking, and that is the neurotic side of me, not wanting to leave a single. Gap. (laughs) So that's it. Um, Cassius Dio. What do you think of the Democrats' new Ministry of Truth? Um, I don't know enough about that particular thing. Actually, I don't know what that is. I imagine that is about people trying to in the Democrats. uh, I don't know uh, surveillance. It must be about surveillance and finding and making people have not have wrong thought. Uh, Other people can fill me in on what that is. What else? I'd like to see Andrew interview author/slash scientist Mary Roach, while I shall look Mary up. Andrew is a New Jersey gangster, but had to relocate to England as using a fake accent, New Jersey, New Jersey. Okay, uh, where's the gabagoo? That's a reference to Sopranos. Charles or Churls, are you afraid of becoming more famous? It's an interesting one, isn't it? And I will ponder that while I drink more water. There's a really interesting type of fame that um, I think is actually appealing. And it's something that I've talked about before. It's like micro influencers, I suppose you could call them, or just creators. And it's a really nice thing because it's exactly what this is. As I say, at the moment, I'm talking, there are 50 people who I have sort of, I feel like I have a friendship with. I recognize a lot of the names, I know the people. Uh, The same with the audio podcast, people get in touch every week on Twitter and stuff, I know who you all are and it's manageable. <clears throat> and the thing with us podcasters and stuff is that the people who know you, they know you very well because we all talk with each other in this sort of community. But anyone who doesn't know of your podcast or know you, they really don't know you. What I mean is like, you know, you might not know. No, what do I mean? I mean that if you if to compare that to proper like Hollywood fame, You might not know what films Kevin Costner has been in, but you know who Kevin Costner is. You've heard of him. If somebody said Kevin Costner is coming, you'd be like, that's a famous name. I know that name. And that is a problem because it means you can't just go out and enjoy your life anywhere. Everyone knows that it's you. I thought I saw Gary Oldman at lunch the other day somewhere in um, Hampstead. And I don't think it was him, but I spent a good hour just looking and he must have gotten freaked out. And I thought, oh, it's not Gary Oldman. That's the type of fame that I think is really not, a nice way to to have your life. To have to, every time you leave your house, have that happy face on and speak to people and be pleasant. And I guess in some sense be fake because you don't want your dinner or your lunch interrupted all the time. So, you, you know, and it, and it affects the people around you as well. I don't fear uh, becoming more famous because I don't think that will happen. And I wouldn't want it to. At the same time, the other side of that is once your name that everyone knows, you don't have to worry as much about money. Um, of course, there are loads of celebrities who go bankrupt and all those kinds of things, but if you don't have some kind of addiction or if you're not ridiculous with your money, overspending money you don't have and stuff like that, if you're famous, I mean, at any point, I'm talking proper famous, you know, well, I'll write a new book, a biography, a memoir, <laughs> you know, I could do this live stream, but instead of 50 people, there'll be 10,000 and there'll be it will be monetized. You never have to worry really about uh, making money. so I think that's the thing about being really famous but too many downsides of it as well. Uh, hello Frozen willow Joel Brown. Um, what else? what else? Dum 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 scrolling down. that's expressvpncom slash heretics Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more Talking about video games Mm-mm. What about Eddie Izzard, Linda Nett says What about Eddie Izzard? I don't know what I was talking about when you said that Eddie Izzard's great Eddie Izzard has now said that she wants to be a she That's her thing uh, Part of me's saddened by that because I quite liked that she was this enigmatic guy who dressed as a woman sometimes. But she's doing her thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Nosferatu says, Andrew's a left-leaning libertarian, even if he won't admit it. I don't think I am left-leaning anymore. I used to always describe myself as that, but maybe I'm just centrist. But definitely, to some extent, a libertarian. Um... Talking about Shakespeare, by the way, as you mentioned Shakespeare, Manuela Perry says, uh, are you aware that it's highly unlikely that Shakespeare is the author of the works and plays ascribed to him? Mark Rylance would be a great source to interview. Mark Rylance, is that the actor who, um, he was just in that, the the outfit I just watched, and he was in Bridge of Spies, I'm sure that's him. Um, Yes, I'm aware, and I wrote about it for my English literature Uh, essay at one point and I wrote about um, that he might have been gay Shakespeare, isn't that interesting so there you go, oh someone just gave me £5, look at that that's amazing Hell's Gate, late evening coffee funds, oh thank you very much that's really lovely of you, I I didn't I realised last week for the first time that you could even do that, that's very very nice of you Um, thank you, I'll pop it up can I pop that up, I don't even know how that's great Joelle also did shorthand at 220 words a minute. That's too fast. Nobody should be writing that fast. All right, scrolling down quite fast. Uh, Amy Nichol, would you say, Andrew, that 12-step programs qualify as cults? That would be a reference, I think, to Alcoholics Anonymous. And absolutely, yeah, I think they're known as a proper cult. But the thing is, again, this is what Amanda Montell says in Cultish. Like, if it works for you, then great, and join lots of cults. I don't think it's a problem. And I think Alcoholics Anonymous has has worked for so many people. I think we are social beings. We cooperate. We've evolved through tribes and things like that. I, I, I think there's no reason that cults, in some respects, as long as they're not 10 out of 10 suicide cults, I think they can be really helpful and they've helped a lot of people. A lot of people have also, I've spoken to people over the years. I thought about investigating it. A lot of people have felt very bullied and excluded and forced to behave in certain ways that are similar to religions in a way, uh, with Alcoholics Anonymous. So especially because they do, I mean, believe in a higher power and stuff like that. That 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 is to me quite cultish. Astrid, oh, I have more water actually. Uh, then I'll read out Astrid Algamo's comment. How did you find out <clears throat> that you wanted to be a journalist? Were you ever thinking about studying something else? Yeah, well, I studied English literature, and everybody says to you when you do English, like, well, what, what do you want to be, a teacher? Uh, do you, and th- there's that's almost, in a way, a cult It's in itself. It's like a um, multi-level marketing thing where you become a, an English teacher, to teach people English so that they become teachers, to teach other people English. Um, And, you know, the people at the bottom are going to lose out because right now there are loads of people who've studied things like that, the humanities, and can't quite find work or what they want to do in their lives. Uh, A cousin of mine gave me some great advice, uh, which is, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this advice. He just said, stop worrying. When I was 20, you'll fall into something everyone does. And that's true of most people. You do sort of just fall into stuff. With journalism, I always liked writing. Um, and I liked writing features, not, not really news. I'm not a journalist in that sense. Um, and it just sort of happened. Uh, I loved Louis Theroux. And I thought, I'll make my own documentaries. Um, TK says, we need a compilation of Andrew Humming. Um, <laughs> just fear of leaving any silence on the audio. Um, <laughs> Nosferato. Have you ever thought of going after the kid who stole your peanut butter sandwich? Now that was in reference to when I was living in Leeds as a student, I made a peanut butter and jam sandwich, or jelly as Americans would say, and I went walking off in the snow to go and see a friend, and there was some guy who was a bit of a drugged up whatever, and he came over and he said, "Can I have you got a Sani? And I pretended I didn't know that sarnie was slang for sandwich, because I thought, I'm not giving him my sandwich, I was really excited for it. And... He said, come on. And he got quite aggressive and intimidating. So eventually I was like, oh, you know what? I've got to give him my sandwich. So I tore it in half and gave him half the sandwich. He chucked it on the floor. And then he went, I don't want you fucking sani, mate. Oh, well, you're taking pity on me, are you? And I was like, no, mate, no, mate, I'm not doing any of that. And then he started following me for a bit. And he had a few mates laughing. And then he just punched me in the face, just right in the jaw from sort of sideways behind and it was that thing, you know, when it, it bruised when I if I clenched my teeth in the next few days, um, and that was one of the two times I was ever hit. I never hit anyone myself. Um, Justin Lelbach. Uh, I think my question was: What is your opinion of the mainstream media coverage of the Ukraine Russia conflict? Is Russia combating Nazis, etc.? Um, yeah, well, this is this is the thing about the dichotomy or the. The, po- the polemic divisive way that we look at stuff and it's like you know half of and, and again it's it is cultish and it's very communal and it's like you we see what's happening with ukraine and russia so we instantly go like ukraine ukrainians are all like angels and russians are all devils and that kind of thing and it's like you know i know some russian people who have been devastated by the whole thing and they're being made out to look like Awful people just for existing. This is a country of, you know, fascinating, uh, rich history of literature and art and all that stuff. Um, and then everyone's getting Ukraine stuff all over their face and stuff like that. Now, there is a huge problem of neo Nazis and stuff in Ukraine. That's just obvious, as there is in Russia uh, and there is in many countries. Um, but then, I think the other issue is going too far the other way and going, oh, look at them, they're all Nazis in Ukraine. Because at the end of the day, this is how I see it, is that one country is invading the other. Neither of them are angels. They're both full of neo-Nazis. A lot of countries are. Um, Ukraine does have a Jewish president. I cannot imagine that happening in Russia. We sometimes like to be the cleverest people in the room, uh, and we say, like, you know, oh, Ukraine's all Nazis and they're awful. Sometimes we do the opposite, and we want to just be, like, the people who are doing the right thing, and that's supporting Ukraine. The truth is always somewhere in between, right? And they're both countries full of millions of people who are all very different. They do have their problems, but one country is currently invading the other, and that's Russia invading Ukraine. Doesn't mean I'm going to paint my face yellow and blue, though. Kimmy asks, "What's the most dangerous project you've done?" I covered that a bit before. Um, it's probably the most dangerous thing I've done is going probably into a clinic that said they do fake a clinic that said that they do abortions uh, in Argentina, we went in with like a fake, with my director Lucy, we had fake urine strapped to her leg in case they asked, she pretended to be pregnant and wanting to terminate her pregnancy but we knew it was actually a Catholic uh, sort of hideaway that was secretly like trying to lure in women who wanted to get illegal abortions and then force them into sort of Catholicism so we went in and like filmed them with a camera pen, that was most nervous I've been uh, David was living, David Goodman was living in Bristol. That's cool. That's good to know. I'm not alone. Um, Joelle Brown asks, how did you meet your girlfriend? When I was living out in Argentina, after about a year of being there, I was playing football or soccer every week at a place called Baffa, which stood for Buenos Aires Football Amigos. Um It's the kind of place you just put your name down and you just turn up at at the game. So you don't have to know anyone. You know, there's 10 10 places and then you meet the other nine people. Over time, you start to get to know the regulars who always turn up. And one of them was my friend Jonathan. I became very friendly with him. He was an American guy who was some sort of Democrat in, not Democrat, diplomat. Sorry, I'm getting tired. Oh, it's nearly midnight, uh, in Argentina. But he was also working at a restaurant called The Argentine Experience where my girlfriend Julieta was working. <clears throat> and he said, you've got to meet her. And that was it. It took a few months, actually, after that. And uh, we met, and it was lovely. And that was eight years ago. Justin Lellebach again. How do you steal yourself when you know you're going to ask a question that's likely going to not go over very well? Um... Well, that's the thing, I don't ask that many questions like that because I try to stay on the good side of people, but I will always ask them in a way, I try to ask them in a way that is not moralizing, There's not trying to say, why did you do that, I'm better than you. I'll try and ask it in a way that's like, a lot of people are saying or thinking this, but what's your response? Because you're entitled to one, I, I'm not judging, you are entitled to your own thoughts and your own response, and I'm not going to make assumptions about you. And I think when you do that, people are quite open to being honest and answering, and they uh, they respect the question. Nosferato says, is it okay if I call you Drew? It absolutely is. Very few people call me Drew, but uh, some do, um, and it's absolutely fine. People saying stuff. Justin again. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Oh, what would the BBC not allow you to talk about or talk to? Have they ever cut up parts that you worked really hard on for stupid reasons? It's not so much that. I think the main thing with the BBC in terms of what I wasn't allowed to cover was myself being on the screen. Um, It became impossible and they wanted... I mean, it was said that they wanted somebody from a minority. It would have been less insulting if they'd actually just said, like, someone's name who's from a minority, you know? But just saying anyone from a minority could take your place. It was very insulting. Um, as for like topics, it's really, really difficult because and that's just part of the whole process when you've got gatekeepers like the BBC involved because you've got to you've got to suggest about a million things and you've got these people there just sort of shaking their heads. You've done Years of research into these things and they're going, eh, I'm not sure it will go down well with our younger viewers if you do a thing about pedophilia in Germany. Oh, I don't know about that because it's not English and stuff like that. They wanted more English stuff and I was doing a lot of stuff abroad. So that was a problem as well. Um, what else? TK says I have the same hairdresser as Tom Cruise. Don't think so. I bet he pays millions for his. Kimmy, what do you think about Elon buying Twitter? I think we sometimes jump to um, conclusions about stuff because he hasn't even... I'm not sure the deal's even gone through yet, and we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know how he's going to be. There is somebody who comes to my... on my Patreon. Uh, There's the upper tier that is £20 a month, uh, which is steep, but that's the upper tier, and we do a monthly Zoom call between us. There's like six of us, and there is a guy. I won't name him in case you know, maybe he doesn't want to be names, but he's very anti-Musk, and and not because he's anti the free speech stuff, he's actually very pro that, he just thinks Musk is a fraud, uh, somebody who's very good at publicizing himself, but not actually somebody who's done much. I don't know enough about it, Uh, I think it is good if he makes things more free speechy in Twitter, I don't like how uh, media platforms are clamping down on free speech, that said, it leaves a bit of a sour taste when you do see these horrible, like, neo-Nazis and stuff in Uh, on social media channels just getting away with it and it's a tough a really tough line to toe because we all have slightly different ideas on free speech and what should and shouldn't be allowed and we're all entitled to those opinions. Nosferatu is it true British people smoke resin because weed is hard to get hold of? I don't know I'm not the person to ask Uh, maybe somebody in the thing can answer that I don't smoke anything and never have done. So there you go. Lucy Peters, what song would reflect your mood because you would still make a good DJ? Gentle nature, don't change. Thank you, Lucy. Uh, my mood? Oh, I don't know. I've been getting into a guy called Nick Mulvey recently. It's, it's easy listening, but it's, it's really good. I like it. Again, you know, what I was saying before about books and stuff. When I was 18, it was all about like the hardest, most esoteric music. And now I'm just like, look, does it sound nice and make me happy? Yup. okay, I'm going to listen to that. Do, do, do. Trent, do you, Trent Steele, do you see a difference between cults and cult-like? Again, it's the spectrum, isn't it? It's that spectrum of, you know, if something's a 3 out of 10, maybe it's cult-like. If it's a 6 out of 10, maybe it's a cult. Dun, dun, dun. What else? Mm-hmm. Just, sorry for the silence, everyone. I'm just scrolling down. There's a lot of comments here. <laughs> Joe Lynn asking questions about my girlfriend. I cannot answer those particular ones. What's this? Ruben. Also, oh, is Brazil Ruben Ruben Azinha, the biggest podcaster in Brazil, got cancelled because he said Nazis should have the right to express their views without fear of going to prison? What's your thoughts on that? I agree that they should be able to. Look, I'm Jewish, and from a Jewish background, I have more to fear from Nazis than anyone, but I also fear them more if they are forced underground for their ideas to fester. I'd rather they're out in the open so they can be beaten by public discourse. That said, you could argue that Hitler's views were out there in public and uh, were not defeated. So, But I think that was a particular set of circumstances and hope that wouldn't happen again. I just, in any case, don't think that, um, I don't know, I don't think that you should be arrested for express, expressing an abhorrent view. I think it gives too much power to the, the powers that be, the people that can decide what is and what isn't offensive or racist or transphobic or this or that. Um, I think that's a huge problem, and I think it doesn't help because those people go elsewhere and get their views out anyway and it gives them a sense of victimhood and we know that because because they've been banned you know they get they actually get to then say like oh i was banned so i am a victim and from victimhood comes some of the worst atrocities in human history i mean the nazis thought they were victims of jews taking all their money for example most atrocities come from a sense of profound victimhood i am scrolling down again <laughs> there's some stuff uh, in French Vincent Deporté said j'ai vécu à Montpellier he lived in Montpellier which is where I live that's cool Um, Alpaca saying some Spanish stuff that I should not repeat what else some people are going to bed as it is quarter past 11 are you planning oh wait what's this charisma neo-nazis Oh, good point, Charisma. There are neo-Nazis in many, many countries, but we don't invade them, do we? Well, there you go. I agree. Kimmy, are you planning more travel abroad for work? No, but I did just um, apply for some series I don't think I'll get again because of similar reasons to what I was talking about before. But I did apply because there was something I saw about an Amazon Studios uh, series and they wanted videos sent in, like, you know, talk about your favourite travelling experiences and stuff like that. And they're looking for a presenter. So watch this space. You'll know about it if that happens. it would be very exciting. Uh, Neptune says, keep it up, Andrew. And... This might be the last question tonight. If you've got another one, do get it in now because we'll wrap up quite soon. It's been an hour and fifteen minutes. Don Ray J, are you concerned we might be heading for nuclear WW3, World War Three? Do you plan to cover it? <laughs> oh right, if it cover the prospect of it happening, I was imagining World War III is happening, and then I'm covering it. In which case, I don't know if my internet would work, um, and it would be very, very concerning indeed. I don't know enough about it. Uh, it did feel that way, didn't it? That World War Three might be approaching when Russia invaded. And that war is still going on, and it's not now at the top of the news. It's something I've talked about before. The way news cycles work uh, is really interesting. Obviously, like ISIS was this huge problem, and then suddenly we don't hear from it again for years. And that's still going on. So it's all about what journalists choose to include, which is also about what you guys... Uh, want to read and listen to. And we, you know, so we're all part of that. And because it was so scary, the Russia invasion was the front page of every newspaper for a few weeks. And the last week or two, it subsided a bit. COVID subsided a little bit before that. I mean, so... I am concerned, but people have been concerned. I mean, people talk about older people than me, of course, in their 60s now, or 70s. They talk about the 50s and 60s, where every day they woke up with the fear of um, atomic bombs, nuclear war, and stuff like that. And it, it didn't quite happen. So let's just keep living our lives day by day and see what happens. Hopefully, if something like that does happen, by the time it happens, we won't even know about it, if you know what I mean. How do you separate... <clears throat> hate speech that leads to actions To free speech That's Vincent Deporte And that is the question That's the golden question I'm not sure there is an answer to that uh, Obviously pe- the, the people talked about that Trump won The January 6th uprisings And that he apparently incited violence I'm not sure the link I think the link was a little tenuous it, uh, But it did lead to that So, And then and then, at what point do you blame the person Who said go and do it Or do you blame the people who actually did it Um I know there are, for example, laws against pushing somebody to commit suicide, right? And understandably so. It's the whole thing makes me a bit wary of, you know, yeah, what is hate speech? At the moment, people say it's hate speech to say that women don't have penises, I think. I think, so. I mean, there are definitely some people who would say that's hate speech. Most um, of these things, most of these issues have two sides, even if one side doesn't really have. You know, any moral rectitude. Again, going back to the Nazis, they, you know, that was two sides. That was the Nazis against the Jews. The Nazis wanted to, to have their own freedom, which was freedom from being around Jewish people. Jews wanted the freedom to be able to exist in the, their home countries. That's, their, you know, the, the Jewish cause there, we would say is a much more righteous one, and the much more deserving one, you know, 99.999, well, probably 100 to zero, really. But it is still two different. Sides when you get to like the trans issue versus critical uh, radical feminists, or sorry, cri- uh, I'm just thinking of critical race theory radical feminists against uh trans people, well, they both would say that the other's committing uh, hate speech against the other, so difficult. Uh, Charisma asked, favorite biography, uh, Hitch 22, Christopher Hitchens. Uh, I loved that, I love him. Uh, I also read the memoir he wrote when he was dying, which is just. Horrific to read. But he was amazing, Christopher Hitchens. Oh, Trent Steele, who would you consider to be your crowing interview? I think crowning. Uh, and why? Uh, um, I don't know. David Baddiel is probably the biggest name, even though he's not so well known outside the UK. John Ronson as well. It was so great to talk to him. Uh, maybe Amanda Knox or... Or the guy, Coche Inciarte, from episode 53, who survived um, the plane crash in the Andes in Chile. Uh, He's a guy from Uruguay, the rugby team, and he had to eat his friends. That is, I only put out a small clip on YouTube because the video wasn't very good in the end, but the audio is, and I made a whole documentary out of it. So if you're on YouTube and you haven't yet listened to that, go to episode 53 on Spotify or Apple or one of those and give that a listen because I think that's my most moving one. Lucy says, thank you. Uh, and who was that again? I don't know what that's in reference to now. What says, is it difficult to monetize an independent documentary, say, via YouTube, interested in covering West African tribalism? That sounds fascinating. And yes, it is really, really difficult. Um, and it's why I'm not doing it. Partly I want to grow the YouTube channel. It's why I've started becoming more focused on the YouTube channel because, as I say, it had been the audio podcast. Um, the YouTube channel, if it gets to a certain size, then you get to a point where you know that every video you release on YouTube gets a certain amount of listens or views. And if you know that your your video is going to get at least 50,000 views or 100,000, then you can get sponsors involved. Plus, you get the YouTube ad money. It's not going to be mad money. Um, it's not going to be what you'd get from a TV station for the amount of views, I don't think. But that's, that's a sustainable business model. If you, like most people have, you know, no subscribers or 1,000 or 10,000 or 20,000, you need a lot of luck. And you've got to make that video first with no money or guarantees. And then you've got to put it out on YouTube and it, you could have five people watch it. And then you go, I've just spent a year making this and five people watched it. Again, you'd want to do loads of marketing before, tell loads of people about it, try and get sponsors involved. It's a hell of a lot of work uh, and it's really difficult. That's a bit of a depressing answer. I think it sounds great, West African tribalism. And I think probably if I were you, the first thing I'd try and do, and it's not easy, is speak to different production companies uh, in, in the UK or the US or wherever you might be, tell them about the idea, in a way that they can't steal it and see if you can get that made that way. Um, What do people exactly think would happen? I've personally been saying that, this is Nosferatu the Vampire, that history is so undervalued and studied today, everything happening now is just repeating a cycle. Well, I think that's true. We are very cyclical and we, you know, that's humans. We're we're always going to act like humans no matter how much we try and change that. We're humans. Lots of nice things. Anka Hill says, what's your thoughts on common law? I don't know enough about it. My girlfriend does, uh, because she's a lawyer. But I don't know enough about it. I'm sorry. Uh, But thank you for asking. More stuff about Johnny Depp. More stuff about Trump. The news from Ukraine. and there you go and some mention of Lloyd Evans I think that's calling it a night you know this has gone on much longer than I thought I thought I'd get about three questions and and last ten minutes it's been an hour and 22 minutes my mouth is all dry sorry for the noises and swallows and things don't want to hear that on an audio podcast on YouTube you guys don't care you love it but um, on the other one, you know. But thank you for coming, everybody. Um, oh, what's my next podcast? Because I'll I'll put that out in a in a second on on YouTube at least. And for those listening on on Saturday, you know, I'm talking about Monday, so just in two days' time. Again, you might be listening after that next one's already come out. But what will it be? I'm just just going into the website. I forget because they're all done in advance now. It is. It is how to be happier alone by Francesca Spector. She's written a book called Alonement, so that's going to be Monday, uh, and that's about how to just be happy alone. You know, and that's been that's particularly relevant during you know COVID stuff, uh, lockdown, We've a lot of us have spent time alone. And she sort of says, look, you can be proud of that. Go to the cinema on your own. Go to the, rest, the restaurant on your own. So she's great. And then on Thursday is one of my heroes growing up. It's Chris Hansen to catch a predator he had this series in america but it was broadcast in the uk where he would um work with the police to use decoys online who pretended to be underage you know minors to attract uh pedophiles and they used to turn up at this house and talk to an actor who they thought was under 18 or whatever and then chris hansen would come out and go why don't you have a seat have a seat and uh they would be like oh god who is this guy is he the dad is he who is he and the police were waiting outside and they'd grab the person. And it was just the most amazing show. And it's so, I mean, I talked before about Victorian <clears throat> Victorian Freak Show. It's a prime example, unfortunately, but it does have profundity to it as well. I mean, we're talking about, you know, putting away people who would otherwise be um, molesting children. But it really is watching these people go from being respected members of society, like doctors and scientists and stuff like that, in an instant, the moment that Chris Hansen comes out and says, why don't you have a seat? In that instant, they go from being, you know, upstanding members of society to being dregs, absolute dregs of society. Their lives are over, nothing will be the same again. And it's a TV show that allows you to witness that exact moment. So that's what's coming up on Monday. Then I've got a woman, Lauren Manning, on, sorry, that's Thursday. So Monday is Alonement, Francesca Spector. Thursday is Chris Hansen to catch a predator the following Monday is Lauren Manning who is a woman who became a far-right extremist um, in the US and then Emma Gannon who's a popular podcaster in the UK who wrote a book called Disconnected um so that's coming out so about again about disconnecting from social media and all that stuff and then after that it might be i think it might be gad sad uh who i'm really excited for i actually just interviewed him just before this and that was really really nice and he's mad he's a philosopher and uh, academic and scientist who has some really outrageous views but he's a lot of fun to talk to that's all guys have a lovely evening do you go through all my stuff. I've put up some stuff about exorcism. Go through the backlog. I'd love to get your thoughts. Please keep commenting. I do love that. If you've not already, do subscribe and like this live. Does that make it go everywhere? Just do all the things. Pretend you're doing marketing for me. I love it. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, and I would very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for turning up, and I'll do another one of these when I get to either 2 million audio listens or 10,000 YouTube subscribers. Have a lovely night.